You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Let's welcome Dr. June Eskasar. All right, so excited to be here. We are on the fifth of our five-week series on knowing God. I love this topic because it is the beginning of the year and just uh, set the foundation really in terms of our own relationship good. I love this topic, knowing God, because I just love the way that we focus on God at the very beginning of this year. And the focus is really about studying the book of Psalms. The goal for this study is to have a deeper relationship with God. I don't know about you, but it is not enough to just go to church and even do the usual things that Christians do. It is important that every single one of us Develop an intimate relationship with God. Develop that intimacy with God that results into greater faith and stronger faith. The Bible tells us that they that know their God, in Daniel 11 verse 32, the people that do know their God shall be strong. I hope not just in this series where we're teaching or learning about God, but that we will be strong all throughout the year. Strong morally strong spiritually, strong emotionally, strong in every aspect of our lives. And I like this next one, that we will do exploits. The synonym for this word is the word adventure. We'll accomplish great things for God. If you feel like life is boring, let me tell you, once you know God, life changes. It is never going to be boring ever again because life becomes an adventure. And I exhort you to step out in faith, do exploits in your workplaces, in your community, in your campuses, wherever you find yourselves in because God is with you. So this topic we have, Knowing God, basically focuses on the study of Psalms. The first week talks about the glory of God. Second week is the goodness of God. By the way, the goodness of God is what ties in all of this together. The reason why the next one is generosity, gracious, and greatness is because God is a good God. So today, the focus of our study, the very last week, is we are going to look at the greatness of our God. Now, it is customary that every time we meet friends, you know, whether they are work associates, neighbors, we always say, hi, hello, how are you? That's a common custom or practice that we do. And the common response would be, good, I'm okay, things are fine. Now, we all know that that is just a polite response, but a bit superficial. Why? Because that's what's expected when somebody greets you, even if you're running on the road, hi, good morning, I'm, I'm good. You don't really know the person. But how many of you know among friends, among people that you have deep relationships with, it's a little bit different. Conversations can get a little deeper, a little more honest. People could lay bare their hearts to you. If you tell them how are things going, well, not so good. And then why? And then they can pour out their heart to you. That's just the blessings of friendship. When we study the book of Acts, the book of Acts is exactly like that for us. It's a collection of songs and prayers that expresses basically the heart and soul of humanity. It is a deep expression of praise, of worship, and of confession. David and several other writers of the book of Psalms were able to pour out their heart to God, their true feelings. Sometimes they confess their sins to God. Sometimes they just express their fears and their doubts. Oftentimes, it's just crying out to God for help. Or most times, it's praising and worshiping God. Just pouring. That's why the book of Psalms is sometimes there are just questions, 
just almost complaining before God, but that is the blessings of having an intimate relationship with God. That you have somebody you could pour your heart, you don't have to look for a friend. Right there, 24-7, you could pour out your heart to God, talk to God, because that is basically the blessings of intimacy. It reflects a dynamic, powerful, and life-changing friendship with our God. So this is why we study the book of Acts for you to know God, that book of Psalms, sorry, the book of Psalms to know God and to be able to develop such deep intimate relations, not just to know things about God, but to be intimately involved in a deep relationship with God. So the focus of our study is knowing God's greatness and the goal is to behold God's immeasurable greatness leading up to praise, worship, magnify, and to make Him known to all. So we are going to look at the entire Psalm 145, all 21 verses. The main text that we're going to look at is from verses 3 to 6. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. A few things that's unique about Psalm 145 is the last of the final collection of eight of David's Davidic Psalms from Psalm 138 to 145. It's the only Psalm that has a title, a Psalm of Praise. Most Psalms, if you look at it, regardless of what version you use, it's just say the Psalm of David. But this one in particular says, a Psalm of Praise, David. So, because it's a declaration of the greatness, praising God for His greatness. Also in Hebrew, we cannot see it in English, but the way Psalm 145 is written is in Hebrew languages, it acronizes from A to Z, which is Aleph to Tab, to describe the greatness of God. Very much like this next poster you'll see, that's the ancient Hebrew alphabet. And in the next poster, and there's so many versions of them, it acronizes the different expressions or names of God. Almighty, beautiful, comforter, defender, everlasting, and so on and so forth. Basically, the spirit of Psalm 145, it acronizes in Hebrew. All the letters of the alphabet describing the awesome greatness of our God. Greatness carries the idea of all-powerful, awesome, majestic, magnificent, marvelous, perfect. When you say the greatness of God, it talks about God being honored, admired, esteemed, and revered. The Hebrew word for the word greatness comes from the word gedulah. The greatness of God, that also implies three very powerful ideas. One, it talks about majesty, the sovereign, supreme ruler, royal power. We are unpacking only one word and yet so rich in its meaning. The second one, it means mighty acts. That's why it describes his mighty works, possessing supreme or ultimate power. Imagine, this is the God that you have a relationship with. I don't know what does that to you, but it brings so much security to us that we knowing that the God we serve is supreme ruler. He has all power and authority upon himself. So whatever problem you go through, instead of looking at the problem as gigantic, you see God as gigantic and your problem so small compared to our big God. Last one is dignity. 
worthy of all honor and praise and adoration. Now, I want to bring you to verse 3 just to begin because it says, God is the Lord and greatly to be praised and His greatness is unsearchable. Why do we even bother studying the greatness of God if we cannot search for His greatness? The words that describe unsearchable means beyond understanding, indescribable, no boundaries, unmeasurable. NIV uses the word, His greatness no one can fathom. It's unfathomable. So let me clearly say this. Just because the greatness of God cannot be measured doesn't mean we're not going to talk about it. We will never comprehend it, but we have to do exactly the very opposite. We have to strive to learn as much as we can about the greatness of God to meditate on it because just a glimpse of it is going to radically transform your life. In our entire lifetime, we will never exhaust just the glory and the awesomeness of the greatness of God. Never. But at least we are on a journey of getting to know a glimpse of His greatness in our lives. So the theme of Psalm 145 is praising God for His greatness. There are eight dimensions we are going to look at very clearly. I don't know how much we could cover. We will do our best to cover everything. Eight dimensions of the greatness of God. The first one is we praise God every day and forever because He is so great. I don't know about you. I mean, I've not really set out to intentionally praise God, but I find myself not only praising God every day, I praise God every moment of the day that I can find myself. While driving alone or maybe taking a bath, I just blown away by the wonder and the goodness and the amazing faithfulness of God that I cannot help it. But just thank God, thank God. I'm on the plane. I look at the window. I cannot help it, but God, you're so awesome. Thank you, thank you. Never stop thanking God because of His awesome greatness in our lives. Verse 41, beginning in verse 1, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever. Here, God is portrayed as a great king. This is interesting because the writer is David. And in those days, David is one of the most powerful kings in his region at least. You know how it is with kings. Kings live in splendor. Generally, kings demand that people bow down to them, pay homage or respect and honor to them. David is fully aware. He's a powerful king. His influence has expanded. But David himself, a powerful king, was quick to acknowledge, I am not God. He alone is God. He alone is great. He alone is worthy to be praised. Could you see that? You know, some of you here, God's going to bless you. God's going to promote you. You will be so blown away by the blessings of God in your life. But you know what? That should not change a thing. You could be powerful. You could own lots of stuff. But you know exactly who you are in the eyes of God. I am not God. I am just God's servant. No matter you, if you become the richest person in California, you are just God's servant. He alone is great. He alone deserves to be worshipped. And it keeps us in our humble condition before God. Not only that, Revelation 19, 16, he's not just any king. He is king of kings. King of all kings. No one higher than the king, King Jesus. And Psalm 145, just same chapter, but just a few verses down. I'm just getting ahead of myself just to point out since we're looking at his kingship. It says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. 
Hebrews speaks the same thing in verse 12, 28. Speaking of us, all believers in Christ, the Bible says we are part of this unshakable kingdom. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that is eternal. A kingdom that endures forever. Whether you like it or not, you are a part of this kingdom. Rulers of this world, they come and go. Kingdoms come and go. But the God we serve, He endures forever. That should put a lot of security to us. Oftentimes, we put a lot of confidence in a human leader because they are great. But what happens if they retire or, or they get out of office? But I'll tell you, the Lord never steps out of His office. He will rule forever. He is a just God, a just king. So that puts a lot of security to us. That's the greatness of God. Verse 2, every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Every day. I don't know about you, but when you wake up in the morning, the fact that you breathe, wow, the blessings, every day is a gift from God. People will pay. People will do anything just to maybe extend their life just a little bit more. Never take for granted the blessing each day brings to you. The presence of God, the blessings of God, the favor of God, the protection of God, God's divine health, just everything God. The Bible says, bless us with every spiritual blessings in Christ. In the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22, it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never stops. It never ends. His mercies never come to an end. They are always new every morning. That's why we sing songs like, this is the day that the Lord has made. It's a new day. The mercies of God is new. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Bible says, His faithfulness reaches through the heavens. Verse 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. No brilliant minds or most advanced scientific knowledge can ever fully fathom the depth of God's greatness. He is beyond comprehension, infinitely past finding out. That is the kind of God, that's why if you know everything about your God, you might find it boring. How many of you know it's exciting to discover new things about God every single day? His attributes. I know we can only write so much. Just because a man went and become a scholar in New Testament or scholar in New Testament. And, you know, theology is a study of God. And because they think they're experts, no, they only know a drop in a bucket. You can never exhaust, no matter how scholarly you think you are, when it comes to the knowledge of God, that's all we have. There is no end to His greatness. Why? He's all-knowing. Nothing is hidden from God. He knows our faults, our weaknesses, our sins, yet equally, He loves us. It is for this reason that He sent Jesus to die for us, to save us, to set us free. God is all-powerful. He could snuff out our lives in an instant, yet He continues to bless us with life. No matter what challenges you face. That's why Paul said, pray that you will understand how the love of God, the depth, the width, the height. I mean, because God is so awesome. And to understand the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Whatever troubles or challenges you face in your lives, realize that God is all-powerful. God is also all-present. He's everywhere at all times, yet watches over us and is involved in our lives. So when we think of this, just the context of this, we're overwhelmed. That leads us to praise and worship our God. First Corinthians 2.9, talking about the greatness of God in terms of His goodness and plans for our lives. However, as it is written, no eye has seen or ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. 
If we have a prophet here to prophesy to you what God's plan is on your life, you might fall off your chair. You could not believe it because it is always going to be so awesome. God's plan is amazing. Knowing the wonderful and eternal future that awaits us, notwithstanding the great plan God has for us here right now on earth, gives us hope and courage to press on in this life, to endure hardship, to avoid getting into temptation or selling ourselves out to some cheap things that would just destroy us. The world is not all there is. The best is yet to come. While we are here, let's enjoy the blessings of God. But you know what? Everything that you see in this life is pale in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in the last days. Number two, second dimension we're going to look is we praise God because of His mighty works. His mighty works are great. Verse 4, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. This again is an expression of intergenerational commitment to praise the greatness of God from one generation after another. We're not just going to talk about our exploits, our walk with God. We're going to talk it to our children. We're going to talk it to the next generation. We're going to talk it to people around us today. We shall continue to magnify and exalt the name of God. This includes people around us, the next generation, especially our children. Verse 5, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works, I will meditate. Verse 6, they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord expects us to continue to declare and to testify what He's done in your lives, what He's done in our church, what He's doing all over the world. I mean, I've shown you pictures. 2,008 people just in campus alone last year. That's not just the work of man. That's the grace of God. God is worthy to be praised. The nations we are in today, who'd ever imagine that we would reach the nations that we have just shown to you? These are some of the most dangerous nations in the world. And yet God's kingdom is forcefully advancing. Praise God. Always testifying of the mighty works of God. The Bible says we should meditate on the greatness of God. To meditate means that we keep God's greatness before us. We think about it. We ponder it. We let it soak into our hearts and minds. And as we do this, we will see God's greatness displayed before us. Then we would have a greater appreciation of who God is, what He has done for us in our lives. From the vastness of the universe to the magnificent earth that God's created for us. If you've been watching National Geographic or Discovery just showing different aspects of life on earth or beauty of planet earth. That is all expressions of God's greatness to us, to the complexities of the human brain, to one who even knows the number of our hair. How many of you know God is a God of the universe? But if God knows the number of your hair, some of you, He doesn't have to number a lot. <laughs> There's not much. But for those of you, including the numbers that fall off this morning when you comb your hair, if that is how intimate God is with us, that He knows the number of our hairs, how many of you know that is relationship? So much so, our great and awesome God is in control of all that happens. So much so that not even a tiny sparrow that falls to the ground without God's knowing it or sovereignly allowing it. If God cares for the birds, if God cares for the flowers that's here today, gone tomorrow, how will He not much more care for you? Who have the Spirit of God created in the image of God. If you're feeling insecure... 
Let me tell you, all you need is the thought that God cares for you and loves you. In fact, this whole series about knowing God, you know why it's so crucial? Because you will never discover who you are until you discover who God is. Our full identity, you know, so many books are written about how to build your self-esteem, how to develop your personality and all of that. Let me tell you, until you know God, you would have an insecure personality. How many of you know, even if you're handicapped, even if you have problems, if you know who your God is, man, you stand tall. You're the son of a king, daughter of a king. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are special. Hallelujah. Number three, praise God because His greatness is expressed in His grace and mercy. You know, oftentimes when we talk about greatness, we just talk about magnificence, rulership, power. But our God's different. He also expresses greatness in His grace and mercy over us. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, Christians and non-Christians, good people and bad people, even wicked people. And His mercy is over all that He has made. See, God is a holy God, but He's also patient and merciful even to those who deny and blaspheme His name and are recipients of His patience and long-suffering. He permits His enemies to live all the while, blessing them with load, with food and air and earthly pleasure, affording even more time and opportunity to repent. I think Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it's almost like in a paraphrased version, never underestimate the patience of God because it's the kindness of God that leads one to repentance. Can you imagine if God is such a strict God, mistake, maybe 10 mistakes, you're done? God is patient. We could have perished in our sins. But God is patient that in the midst of your rebellion and in the midst of us running away from God or even cursing Him, He shows kindness because He wants to give you the opportunity to understand His kindness and love for you and come to a place of repentance. God doesn't need any of us. He doesn't need a thing from us. Before us, God is already. And He created us so we could fellowship with Him. He could share His greatness to us. Let me tell you, any great king, reminds me of Trump's speech, is to bring back the extended same greatness to your people. How many of you know, when you desire is to serve people and to make your people great, not just to make yourself great, how many of you know those kinds of leaders are respected. The kind of God that we have is not just a God who wants to be worshipped. He wants to clothe you with His glory. He wants to clothe you with robes of righteousness. He wants to lift you up. He wants to bless you. Reminds me of the prodigal son. He's rebellious. He squandered his wealth. When his father saw him, he could have gotten mad, gotten angry with him. But you know what? He ran to him. He put a robe on him, put the ring again on him, and have a big feast on him. That's just the picture of the Father heart of God. He's awesome God, yet He's gracious. God's greatness is demonstrated in His mercy. You notice the tender language used here. Gracious, merciful, compassionate, faithful, just, kind. God forgives the sins of His people, verse 8. We see it all throughout this chapter. Verse 9, God is merciful and good to all people. Verse 14, God helps those who are weak, lift those who stumble. So even if you stumble, God doesn't kick you. He didn't say to that prodigal son, did you learn your lesson yet? Now you're coming back to me after you squandered my wealth? He didn't do that. 
He reached out to him. God, the Bible says in John 3, He did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. But God is not a mushy God. God has extended His grace to you, and still you continue to live in rebellion. There will be judgment. So I'm not talking here about just a nice God, mushy God. He, because He's a God of love, extremely, extremely. That's why there's a song called Radical Love. But at the same time, He is a just and a holy God. Except that He is long-suffering and patient, gracious, to give us every chance we have. Paul was a persecutor of the church. He killed God's people. That's what he was. God could have smited him and killed him. He could not have become a great apostle. But God was long-suffering because his calling is irrevocable. He wants Paul to know his love. And when he understands God's love, he becomes his apostle to the Gentiles. And he helps those who are in trouble. Number four, God provides food for people, all people. Verse 15 and 16, God is near in times of trouble. So don't feel like you're alone. People committing suicide, they never had a revelation of the greatness of God. They begin to see how big their problem is instead of see how big God is. Let me tell you something about problems. Problems, trials, they are all temporary. They are meant to pass. They will not be there forever. Hang on and trust God. Every time you encounter a problem, they are temporary. God hears their prayers and saves them. Verse 19. And finally, God is great because God protects everyone who loves Him. Dimension number four of the greatness of God. Praise God because of His great and glorious kingdom. He's a king, but also He has a glorious kingdom. Verse 10. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. I'll make a first a comment before I talk about the kingdom. I'll make a comment first about verse 10 again about God's work. We can give thanks and glory to God because He alone is truly great. He meets our needs, great enough to meet all our needs, great enough to forgive all our sins, great enough to carry us through the dark valley of death into eternity, to be with Him forever. We declare with the psalmist, all your work shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. Verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words and kind in all His works. Let me say something about God's kingdom and His dominion. Verse 13, the verse we just read, stresses the eternal nature of God's kingdom and His dominion. It never ends. Time and again, the psalmist affirmed this repeatedly, proclaimed that God is the rightful sovereign over the universe. Psalm 103, verse 19, the Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His sovereignty rules over all. Psalm 115, 3, but our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. I know that you have just a new transition of government. Here in America, there's quite a lot of uncertainty. Will He make it? Will He not? Well, pray for your president. You don't have to worry. 2 Timothy is very clear. Pray for those in authority so that you will live peaceful lives. Prosperity will come in this nation. Pray that God's wisdom will be upon him because at the end of the day, God is the one who raises up kings and he deposes them. He gives you kings whether to be a blessing or to be a curse. I hope to be a blessing. While not every enemy is subject to Christ, the Lord scoff at those who think they can overthrow his rule. We see that in Psalms chapter 2, verse 1 of 4. God is all-powerful. He has seated David's Lord, Jesus Christ, at His right hand until He makes His enemies a footstool for His feet. 
when King Jesus comes in power and glory to crush every enemy and to reign on the throne of David, the earth will know the glory and majesty of His everlasting kingdom. It's important for you to embrace a proper kingdom mentality. We're not only part of an unshakable kingdom, but the kingdom of God will invade the kingdoms of this world. Do you know if the Bible has a subtitle? That title will be, The Empire Strikes Back. Really? Because earth is owned by God. But the enemy came in, usurped the authority of man. Man came in subjection to sin, but God injected Jesus again. The empire, a new kingdom, strikes back to regain what belongs to God. That's why Star Wars is relevant. Just take a look at this verse. The Lord who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hand, nor is, is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. He gives all mankind breath. He could take the breath of any person and they're gone. I just read before the end of this year, the most powerful king, Nebuchadnezzar, the book of Daniel. Wow. He was the most powerful, ruthless king. And then he had a vision and Daniel interpreted it for him. He said, I'm sorry, I wish this applies to another person, but it applies to you, O king. You'll go mad for seven years. You know all of this. You know, you'll be drenched in dew and, you know, eat grasses and be like an animal until you acknowledge when your sanity will be restored, you acknowledge that heaven rules. Can you imagine that? God is not only sovereign over God's people. He's sovereign over pagan people. People who do not acknowledge His sovereignty, that does not intimidate God. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been the counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. This is the God we serve. He said, we're the wise and the scholars of this generation. God makes foolish the wisdom of this world. Dimension number five, as I begin to land quickly, praise God of His greatness toward those who call upon Him. If you call upon Him, let me tell you, God will never cast you out. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The phrase transitions from God's dominion and rule to God's nurture and care for those who are frail and needy. In other words, the transcendent, powerful God is also imminent a strengthening God. He's not just a God who rules, but He's a God who lifts you up. That's amazing about God. This gives a picture of a proactive God who both upholds the failing and raises those who have been bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and give them their food. At the proper time, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His works. So this portrays the great and generous God who gives to all with an open hand rather than a clenched fist. God is ready to give rather than withhold favor. And in all He does, God is just and God is kind. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call to Him in truth. This just shows us God's active care. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. No matter what your condition, if you come to God, if you call upon Him, God will never push you back. He will always welcome you if you have a humble open heart. Verse 19, God fulfills the desires of all. As long as they fear Him, in verse 20, God will watch over those who love Him. Verse 20, the Lord watches all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. Now, question is this. If God is great, because it's a common question people ask, why does He not destroy or punish evil in the world? 
Again, for the same reason that I mentioned earlier. God's delay in punishing evil is not an indication of his inability to handle situation or his lack of power, but an indication of his intention to demonstrate his power. Exodus 9. This is the world's most powerful kingdom then. Allow me just to read this to you to give you an idea of how powerful God is and that He's not just a God who just annihilates people, sadistic. No, even in judgment, God's mission is to make His salvation known in the midst of judging nations. Watch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourselves and on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up. For what purpose? To show you my power so that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. What the Lord is saying If this is an issue between you and me, you could have been pulverized. You would have not existed anymore. I could have wiped you out. But I did not do that to demonstrate my power so that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Which is why Hollywood produced Ten Commandments. And because of that story, all the world see the wonders of God, what He has done. His message was proclaimed even through movies. The Lord is righteous and powerful. Consider the scriptures. Isaiah 40, 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. Isaiah 40, 23. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of this earth as emptiness. 2 Chronicles 26. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Daniel 2, 21. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and deposes them. He moves kings and sets kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And the last dimension is praise God forever and ever. Because in Psalm 141, it says, My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. Our right response to this is worship. Calvin said, Our first priority in life is to seek to be worshipers. We should consider it the great end of our existence to be found numbered among the worshipers of God. Second, a lively prayer for life. And thirdly, is to continue to seek the counsel of God. Let me just move through for time's sake. He's the only one who can work out things in our lives. We have to look for Him for wisdom. Do not lean on your own understanding, but His wisdom. This is the one I wanted to close with, just so you understand. God not only reveals His greatness to us, He shares His greatness with us. I wish I could mention to you Genesis 1, 26. We are created in the image of God. In Genesis 12, he said, I will make you great. I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. Psalm 18, 35, talking about shield of victory. And the Bible says he gives us a shield of victory. He stooped down to make us great. Can you imagine that verse? God stooped down at our level to make us great. Psalms 8, 3 to 5 says, if you consider the works of God's hands, the wonders in heaven, all of these things. What is mine that you are mindful of him? You crown him with glory and splendor. Isn't that amazing about God? Here's the implications. Very, very last one as I close and we'll pray. Hopefully when you begin to see this, you will set us free from all doubts and fears, confusion and discouragement. It leads us to trust him, worship him, honor him, thank him, and consider him in all of our ways. 
It removes the word impossible in our vocabulary. Our weakness is not a barrier to the power of God because in our weakness, God is strong. We will not give credit to the enemy but give glory to God. Oftentimes when we encounter problems, we magnify the devil instead of magnifying God. We will not hesitate to obey God and makes you feel special and important to God. What's our take-home point? If you're captivated by His love, it helps us, but worship and honor Him. Amen? Praise God and make Him known. Praise God. God is an amazing God, worthy to be praised, and He's intimately involved in your life. Shall we bow our heads as we close in prayer? Father, thank you for this series about knowing God. Lord God, only by knowing you will we know ourselves. And Lord God, know our sense of dignity and purpose. If there's any one person here, Lord God, who feel downtrodden, discouraged, sometimes, oftentimes, just battling with poor self-image, Lord God, I pray that they will stop looking within, but start looking to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Father God, I pray today that you would infuse confidence in your people, knowing that you are a great God, that Lord God, you care for them, you provide food for them. When they stumble, you are there to lift them up. Lord God, when they're in trouble, you are near them. When they call to you, you will answer. How great a God is that? That the God of the universe, who lives in heaven, who is awesome, who created the heavens and the earth, could be intimately involved in our lives. And we say with the psalmist, Lord God, who are we that you're mindful of us? Lord God, the Son of Man, that you care for us. Thank you, Lord, that you clothe us with your splendor and with your glory, that you stoop down to make us great. So, Lord, I pray that this year, Lord God, we would stand tall and be strong and do great exploits, Lord God, as a result of our walk with you. As we cap this series, Lord God, may you be this revelation about God in our hearts. May it forever be a part of our lives. Lord God, as Christ witnesses, and ambassadors on this earth. Lord God, may through our lives, may your name be honored. May your greatness be seen. May your greatness be proclaimed through all the earth. Lord, continue to bless this church and its endeavor to be a witness to this city. Lord God, continue to give us workers to reap the harvest. Continue to pour out your resource, Lord God. Bless this church so it could fulfill its mandate to be a blessing to this nation and to the nations of the world. So, Father, we just give you glory for what you will continue to do. This year, we consecrate our lives to you. For your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone say a big amen.